Day. Yes, it's supposed to be this glorious day, right? I mean, that's what the, all the Hallmark uh, commercials tell us, like honor our mothers. We're going to get cards and flowers. Did you get flowers out there today, by the way? Didn't, isn't that beautiful? Thank you, creative team, for doing that. But Mother's Day is a tough day for many women and many men for a variety of reasons. Um, number one, obviously, for those who cannot have children, who want children, who have tried for children and cannot have children, it can be a very difficult day. For those who have never had any children, maybe for those who have had a child and lost a child, um, for those who maybe for, you know what, maybe for single moms, it's a tough day. They're doing everything, and who's, you know, who's making them breakfast in bed, right? For those single moms, it's not how they expect it to be. Um, what about for those who have a poor relationship with their child, those mothers who haven't talked to their child, um, for those who have lost their mother, it's hard to celebrate a day when your mom is gone. For those who have a poor relationship with their mother, maybe they don't have communication with their mother anymore. If something happens there, there's hurt and pain. Right? We have these ideas of how Mother's Day should be. Uh, that it should be, you know, this restful day for moms. They're going to wake up to flowers and breakfast, right? Your children rise and call you blessed. That's, that's not the conversation I had with my kids this morning as we tried to get them out the door for church. <laughs> it's, it's just not reality, right? In reality, let's talk about reality for a minute for moms. In reality, one in eight couples suffer from infertility. One in eight. One in four pregnancies end in miscarriage. It's a quarter. A quarter of all pregnancies end in miscarriage. And I, I was thinking a lot today about just women in general, right? We, ce we celebrate Mother's Day, and mothers do a lot, but women do a lot. And it seems like women are um, just oppressed constantly things coming against women and I was thinking about this a couple months ago um, you know I watch the news very little but I watch the news I know what's going on and I was asking Adam like I see you know we have women who deal with infertility and deal with all these fertility troubles deal with um, miscarriages um, women have um, you know inequality in the workplace or, or in different, you know, in society. Um, I just, I thought it was crazy that, you know, women went through this whole feminist movement, right, and we're fighting for equal rights and all this stuff, and now you have men who are competing as women, knocking out women, right? Like, where's our rights? What happened to that? What happened to everything we fought for? And now even with what's going on, you know, in the Supreme Court and with Roe versus Wade, you know, this idea of, again, women's rights, the right to choose, that's not a choice. If you think that you can't have career and a child, that you have to choose one, that's not a choice. That, that's not giving you a choice, right? You shouldn't have to make that choice. If that's what you have to do, then maybe we need to talk about some of the other things that need to be fixed so that women can work and have children. 
Like, I don't see, you know, all these celebrities, they talk about it. Sorry, I'm going, this isn't my sermon. Um, The celebrities who talk about, you know, oh, I'm so proud I, I did this because now look at my career. That wasn't a choice. You felt like you had to do that in order to have your career. Let's talk about the root of the issue then, right? Why are women oppressed? And I think it comes all the way back to the beginning in Genesis, right? When Eve ate of the fruit, she played the blame game. (laughs) The snake made me do it, right? And the curse came. I will put enmity between you and the woman, her offspring and yours. We all suffer the curse of sin, right? But as a woman, I'm going to say, I feel like we get hit pretty hard. I think the devil doesn't like that. And if you look throughout the Bible, right, what happens constantly with Moses, the Israelite boys, right? All the offspring killed. With Jesus, Herod. All the firstborns killed. It's like this constant repetition we see between offspring and reproduction and and reproductive rights and in the women and, you know, with fertility and those issues. It's this ongoing battle. And I'm like, God, why? Why? Why does this keep happening? And at that time, I felt like I was saying women are not the weaker sex, women are the more attacked sex. And I feel it as a woman. I feel like I can say that. You don't get to hear from a woman too often. so. (laughs) But I feel that. I feel that attack. And I think we all feel that on Mother's Day. I don't know about you, but does Father's Day have that same kind of heaviness to it as Mother's Day does? It's this heaviness that people feel. It's a lament, a grief, right, of the way things should be. For myself, Mother's Day has always been, not always, but has been painful. Um, Not many people know my story, but uh, my husband and I were married eight years before we were able to have children. And for three of those years, we did fertility treatments. They didn't work. Um, Two of them did result in a positive pregnancy test where you go and they draw your blood and they say, you know, yeah, you're pregnant and yay. And you go and you celebrate. I remember it so clear. Going and celebrating is like after years, it's finally positive. And then you go back in for the next blood test two days later and they say your numbers have dropped. I'm sorry, it's not a positive test anymore. Twice that happened. It hurts just as much as a loss. It is a loss because in your mind, it was real. And for years, I struggled with how my life should be. I should be a mom. I work with kids for crying out loud. (laughs) I'd be good at this. I should have kids, right? I did everything right. I got married. I waited to have kids. I, you know, I'm in the church. I'm serving you, Lord. I should be pregnant. This should be happening. My body should know what to do, right? My body was created to do this. It should do it. All these shoulds. And not only my own, then I started getting shoulds from other people, right? I didn't talk to a lot of people about what I was going through. And this was years ago before our kids. Our, my children are now seven and four. But... um. 
I didn't tell many people because I didn't want more shoulds. I got enough. And the people, there were some people who didn't, you know, who did know. And I got the, well, you should just have more faith. Right? Or maybe there's a sin that you haven't confessed to the Lord. Oh, I'm so serious, guys. Um, I even had one, you know, you shouldn't be doing those treatments. That's not what God wants for you. You should just let him, if you didn't do those treatments, you never would have known that you had lost, you know, that pregnancy. You shouldn't do that. Oh, should, should, should. All over me. And when I finally did have children, children, so we did this for three years, and after a while I was like, I'm done. I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. If I'm not meant to have kids, I'm not going to have kids, and that's fine. We poured ourselves into our ministries, you know, that became my baby, and I was like, all right, we're just going to have a good life. We're going to travel, pour ourselves in ministry. That's great. And then I got pregnant. <laughs> Very unexpected. And, I mean, what a wonderful blessing. But then you have the other shoulds, you know. Well, I built this ministry, and I work, and now I start to feel guilty. Well, I should, should I stay home? Because then you start getting those shoulds, right? Well, you should be a stay-at-home mom. You should be home with your kids, right? Well, I can't because I got a mortgage to pay for. Like, you know, and you start to feel that. I, you sh I, sh I should be spending more time with my kids. I'm spending too much time at work. I should be spending more time at kids. Oh, no, I've been spending too much time at home. I haven't been in the office. I should be spending more time at work, right? It, and, again, it's just a cycle of should, should, should. How many of you suffer from the disease of should? Come on. Come on. Okay. It's okay. <laughs> and we just think of the way things should be. And this day is a reminder for so many of how things should be. I should be a mom. Or maybe I should want kids. I don't. But I feel like I should, right? Because society says I should. Or I should be a better mom. I should be doing more. I, sh I should have a better relationship with my children. Or I should have a better relationship with my mom. For many, it's my mother should be alive. She shouldn't have passed. She should be here, right? That's what Mother's Day brings on people. And we ask these questions of why. How can it be? Why is it like this? And while this day is a day of celebration for so many, it's also a day of grief and lament. And I heard a speaker this past year at a conference talk about lament, and I want to share that with you because it really spoke to me. Jeremiah wrote the book of Lamentations during the fall of Israel. So God had warned Israel through the prophets, if you keep sinning, you're going to be taken over. I'm going to allow this to happen. And he warned them and warned them. And they didn't listen. They were disobedient. And finally, they were attacked and taken over by Assyria. And the temple was destroyed. And Jeremiah is watching the fall of Israel's destruction, and the first word of this poem, sorry, now I'm thinking back in my head, and I'm like, wait, no, Assyria didn't attack Jerusalem, Babylon attacked Jerusalem. Okay, so now I'm confusing my Bible history, but that's okay. Either way, Jerusalem was destroyed. Look it up. Okay, so, <laughs> mom brain. <laughs> so, the first word of Lamentations is, how? How? How deserted lies the city, once so full of people? How like a widow is she who once was great among the nations, 
She was a queen among the provinces and has now become a slave. That first word, how, in Hebrew is ayaka. Ayaka means lament. Jeremiah, the first word is lament. How? How could this be? He's not asking why. He knows why. God told him he was going to do it, right? He knows why. He knows that God allowed this to happen. But how? How can this be? This great city, how can it lie in ruins? He's lamenting over what was and what should be. And that word, ayaka, is the same word that's used in Genesis chapter 3. When God is looking for Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve have sinned, and God comes into the garden and he's looking for them, and he says, says, the Lord God called to man, where are you? That word where, ayaka, lament. The same root word as how, ayaka, lament. Lament is known in rabbinic teaching and Jewish tradition as the language of the border. So it's this idea of two sides. On one side is what is. On the other side is what ought to be. We see how things are, and we see how they should be. And lament is standing at the border of both. It's the space between silence, how, I don't understand, why, where, and revelation and understanding. So the opposite of lament is not happiness. It's revelation. It's understanding. It's understanding God's purposes and what is happening. So you can have revelation and still grieve. Again, lament is not just grief. It's kind of this like no man's land, right? It's the language of the border between what is and what should be. And lament can only be overcome through revelation. And that revelation can only come through God. And Genesis shows us that God was the first to lament. In Genesis 3, when he said, where are you? He was in lament. He's there in our grief because he sat there first. And we asked, where are you? It's not, they weren't playing hide and seek, okay? Like God knew where they were. He's God, right? Marco, Paula. He knew where they were. He's God. It wasn't a question of, where are you? I don't see you out here. It was, where are you? You should be here. You should be here. Walking with me, talking with me, it should be this way. But now you are hidden because of your sin. You are separated from me because of your sin. How, how can this be? Lament, ayaka. And so God is the first one to feel that. So when we feel it, know that he has been there before. He has felt it. He's been there, and he is there with you. But the amazing thing is, is he didn't leave us there, right? He didn't leave us there. He had a plan right from the beginning. Where are you? Okay, well, now here we go. Now curse you, Satan, and you, the offspring of the woman is going to come to defeat you, right? 
And Jesus did that for us. And Jesus said when he was here on earth, he told us how it should be. On earth as it is in heaven. That is how it should be. And so when we stand and lament, we're asking how? Why is it like this? Because it should be like that, like heaven, right? But we live in a fallen world. We live in sin. And so we lament. And we stand there between the borders. But we have that hope. We have that hope that he is coming. And he will do what he says he will do. Lamentations chapter 3 says, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. As we wait and lament, wondering how can it be, why, why don't I have kids, or why do I have this relationship with my mother or my children, why is my mom gone, my mom's not gone, I'm talking hypothetically, why, why, how, how can this be, it shouldn't be this way, as we wait there, we can have hope, and know that God has compassion, right, it says, his compassions never fail, because he's been there, He's been in the lament. He was the first to lament. He knows how we feel. And I think of, for, I don't know, for some of you, you may say, I don't know, you know, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm not lamenting. Today's a happy day. And that's great, too. You may have a great relationship with your mother, your children, everything may be great. But there's still so much to long for and to yearn for. Because how can we raise children in this world? This is not how it should be. It's not how it should be. But we're raising sinful humans in a fallen world. What is easy about that? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. It's hard. It shouldn't be that way. But it is. And so we lament. And we have hope, and we continue to press in and raise the generation that follows after the Lord, that looks to the future, that looks to that hope, and has compassion for others. We remember to have hope because the Lord is compassionate, and he is there in our lament, and he is faithful. And so we wait for him, and we wait for his revelation. We can stand at the border and feel both. We can feel both joy and pain. We can feel both hope and grief. They can exist at the same time at the border. And so my prayer for you today is that you would just sit in that today. That it's okay to be there. To have both. 
to have joy and hope, but also grieve for the way things should be. And know that they will, because God is faithful. He's very faithful. So I would like to pray today. I want to close with a couple prayers. First, I would like to pray for those who feel that they are standing at the border. If you feel like that's me, I am at the border, standing in the border, would you just stand? I want to pray for you. And maybe those around you can, you know, just raise a hand towards you. But let's pray for those who are at the border. God, I pray for our brothers and sisters who are wrestling, God, with the way things are and the way they know things should be. Lord, I pray that you would have compassion for them. Show them compassion, that they would feel your presence, your peace. God, in your patience, that they would wait on you for revelation, that they wouldn't listen to the voices around them, the voices of the world that say that should, 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 but that they would be waiting on you for an answer and waiting on you for revelation. God, I pray that in their grief you would bring them joy, that in their pain you would bring them hope, and that you would answer them today, Lord. Bring them that revelation that they are so longing for, God. Have mercy on us, God. We know your mercies are new every morning, Lord. So we pray for that refreshing. Lord, we believe it. We stand at the border believing that you are doing a new thing in them. And God, we answer or we end this prayer with amen, God. So be it knowing that you will do what you say you will do. Amen.